Hello, listeners. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Campion, and this is another episode of One Guest, One Drink, One Question, the most refreshing show on the web. If you're new to the show, here's the rules. Every episode, I'll bring on one new guest. Uh, they'll bring one drink for us to share together. And after that, I'll ask them one uh, a question that I'd like to get to the root of. So in this week's episode, I have a good friend of mine. His name is Chenin. Uh, he lives here in Seattle as well. Um, Chenin, how are you doing today? Uh, all things considered, pretty good. How about you? Doing great. I'm loving the sun that we've had today and this entire week. Yeah. Um, it, it's amazing, right? It's refreshing. Have you been getting outside? Um, not really. I'm practicing social distancing and all that. Um, mostly inside, working from home, obviously. Uh, I've seen one person in the last, I think, two weeks. Wow. Uh, yeah. Crazy. So, uh, Chenin, what drink did you bring for us today? Today, I got us uh, LaCroix, Papa Boost specifically. Um, mm. My favorite of probably all of them. Okay, and why LaCroix versus any other drink? Dude, I don't know. I think it's uh, just the, getting on the hype train, or the bandwagon, you know? People, I feel like there's like a war out there between all the different sparkling waters, and I just ended up on the LaCroix train. Okay, did you pick it for any any reason besides the hype, like flavor-wise or anything like that? Pop, Papa Moose is probably my favorite. That That okay. is, that is, yeah. Okay, cool. And it has a great can, like it's got that classic LaCroix style, but in kind of a pink and orangey kind of colorway. Yeah. So very cool. All right. Uh, well, let's get into it then, Shannon. Um, before we take our first sip, tradition on the show is to give a shout out or a toast. Uh, do you have anyone you'd like to shout out this week? Do I have anybody? Let's see. I guess I'd probably say, you know, to all the service workers out there, especially where I live, it's like, it's hard to see all the restaurants and cafes kind of struggling, you know? So I guess I want to toast to those people, uh, hoping that they, they find somewhere that they can land their feet on, you know? Definitely. Yeah. I'd like to shout out to them as well. I know they're struggling. Hopefully all you listeners out there can, you know, order from your local businesses, get takeout, get delivery, um, just to support them and make sure they stay around. Yeah. Uh, so shout out to them. Shout, shout out to out those for being for being a guest here. Um, let's go ahead and crack our cans and let's do it. Uh, say cheers. All right, let's do it. Cheers. Cheers. Hmm. <sighs> That's good. That is good, you know. It's it's so refreshing because so good. It has only the the faintest hint of any flavor. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But you get that sensation on your tongue of drinking a carbonated beverage like a soda or a, a beer. Even it's crazy how even between the flavors, like you're right, they're all so um, they're also light in flavor, but like. People are so rabid about one one flavor versus another, and I'm kind of the yeah. same. Yeah, it's like a war out there. People right. are obsessed with their pamplemousse or their lemon lime or whatever they like. Do you know what flavor pamplemousse is? Is this uh, fruit? I think it's grapefruit. Found? I think it's like French for grapefruit. Okay. I believe. Gotcha. 
Okay. So one of the, um, you know, the funny memes I've heard about LaCroix is that it tastes as if someone, you know, burped that fruit near a glass of water. <laughs> and that's what you get. <laughs> and, you know, this tastes like maybe someone ate a grapefruit, uh, burped into my cup, and then I took a sip. I don't know when's the last time I actually had grapefruit. <laughs> so yeah, can't, can't attest to that. But uh, from like lime, from trying like lime and, and lemon for sh- for sure, I can see mm-hmm. that. I can see where that comes from. Okay, okay. <laughs> so uh, it, it's now coming to the time in in the show here where we get to the big question of the day. Uh, mm-hmm. Are you ready for it? Hit me up. Awesome. So. You may or may not be familiar with uh, the Hippocratic Oath. Yeah. Something that doctors kind of swear to, um, you know, do no harm to their patients. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering, you know, I know that you're in tech. I'm in tech as well. Do you think that software engineers should have some sort of code of ethics uh, like doctors have? Now, when you say a code of ethics, do you mean specifically like an oath that we as profession would take? Yeah, so it could be either a formalized oath. Um, you know, some other engineering fields are formalized like that. Mm-hmm. Or it could just be some open source adoption that everyone kind of silently agrees to. Right, right, right. So wh- whatever you uh, decide, that's where we'll go. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I think, I think, you know, now more than ever, people in tech need to abide uh, abide to some sort of, you know, code of ethics. And whether that means a, an oath like the Hippocratic oath that doctors take or some sort of unspoken rules, I mean, I think, you know, that it benefits everybody if we do, you know, prime ourselves and think within those, you know, morality, uh, bounds morality. Um, I even think that, you know, in some ways that we are kind of doing that already, even if it's not, uh, you know, spoken out loud. Okay. And, and what would we be, what would we already be doing or what's in that kind of unspoken oath? Um, I think especially, so tech is so new that we, we kind of benefit from not having to, uh, we don't we don't have any like standards in terms of uh, like testing. Like there's no licensing for engineering, or mm-hmm. your um, there's no bar, there's no medical exams or whatnot. You just like you could even just be fresh out of high school and not go to college and and find a career in tech. Um, mm-hmm. I find that people because of like how people because of those origins, I think people in the tech field uh, end up policing themselves. Mm. Um, and you kind of see that all over the place in uh, all sort, you know, all the big companies, Google, Microsoft, Amazon, or even Apple, they, they do a pretty good job of policing themselves um, despite all the negative, you know, news that we hear in the media these days. Um, that's not to say that they're not without fault. Um, they've all made their own mistakes and whatnot, but from my point of view, I think, you know, people have been doing a pretty good job of policing themselves, especially when it comes to technology. So do you think that, 
they should be policing themselves? Or do you think that's a function of the government or some sort of uh, independent body? You know, like the bar exam, uh, my understanding comes from the government or the bar association, I, I suppose. Right. Uh, should there be an uh, independent? Yeah. I don't know. That's a good question. I definitely thought about in the past, like what, why isn't there kind of more standards, especially set for the government and especially with the government being so um, technologically illiterate sometimes, (laughs) those it's it's hard for them to know what to police and what not to police. Um, So, Mm -hmm. and the people who know the best are the people in the field. Um, Mm -hmm. They know what they're building and they know what they're, they're, they, you know, the stuff that they can do. Of course. Um, but at the same time, especially, you know, you work in tech as well as I, you, you see things all the time that are being built, that are new, and no one knows what the implications are until way down the line. Um, the most, you know, recent example I can think of is just social networking. You know, when, when, when Facebook came out, you know, everybody, including myself, thought it was the best thing on the planet we we gave them all of our data and we didn't bet an eye and nowadays it's like all we can talk about is privacy with with when it comes to facebook and tech industry um and so proliferate at this point that like we can't we can't any new service that comes out we have to like look at it with such scrutiny you know what is their privacy laws mm-hmm. uh, how are they treating our data even zoom you know recently in uh making headlines with their their privacy issues so i to back to the question of like whether or not it should be an independent body um mm-hmm. when you say independent outside of these orgs outside of these big companies sure but definitely not the government maybe it's some sort of like sub board that is comprised of uh, experts within the field that knows what you know, has a pulse on the industry and figuring out um, what to police and what not to police. Okay. So let's say there was some sort of third party government subsidiary or just completely independent, you know, some sort of organization uh, with these rules or these, this code of ethics that everyone followed. Mm. Um, How would companies assess uh, if they are, you know, breaking those rules of ethics, if it's not always clear that um, what they're doing is against that that code. Like you brought up social networks, mm-hmm. right? Um, nowadays, you know, maybe it's, it's fairly clear the privacy implications. But maybe back then, you know, no one had thought of that. Right. And I think, you know, tech maybe is more susceptible than things like law or medicine because tech moves so much faster these yeah. days, right? It's still s- such a baby right. in the, the lifespan of uh, occupations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how do we stay ahead of that? How do we stay specifically ahead of like, do you mean like how mitigating those risks specifically? Yeah. So, you know, how would this, this um, third party organization know what should be against the code of ethics or with the code of ethics, what should be even written down. Right. Um, you know, 
you would never write down something about social media and privacy 15 years right, ago. Right, right. Oh, I see, I see. Um, so maybe 15 years from now, we'll need some code of ethics about flying cars. <laughs> You're talking about like right. a constitution for programmers? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, how do we define that? How do you even know if you're in the right right at all yeah that's that's a tall that's a big question um i have i don't know what the exact answer is but i'm have i have Mm -hmm. faith that if any industry the tech industry especially now can figure that out i think we have it built into our dna to collaborate and to you know figure out and put your ego aside for a, a a solution to a problem um, you know, open source culture is literally just that. And I can imagine in a scenario, if we were to do this, that you know, what if what if someone opened a project on GitHub and just got a lot of traction and it was just, you know, code, ethics for coders and what you should and should not do. Yeah. <laughs> like I could totally okay. see that, you know, taking off and, and uh, you know, people listening to that because we we have such a built-in um, uh, value of you know collaborating with others and people outside of our our, our immediate teams. So yeah, so I, I want to drill into that yeah. here. Um, you know, open source projects, GitHub, all of that. Uh, like you said, it's kind of ingrained in our DNA. Right. And and I think when you say our DNA, I think you mean that of uh, engineers. Sure, yeah. And in open source, that's fine because the only people working on that are engineers. Mm -hmm. But in in companies, Mm -hmm. the people making decisions, Mm -hmm. most of the time that might not be someone with that kind of DNA, right? So how do we uh, reconcile that with kind of the the code of ethics of the people working for the executives and the the code of ethics of the executives. Right, right. I I think right now you kind of have to think about all the direction of the world and the economy and how uh, everyone is trending towards technology. You're seeing um, top-level executive uh, board members um, slowly get you know, old they, you know the old days of the finance people are kind of slowly getting phased out in favor of people who are uh, technologically, you know, knowledgeable. Um, most recently, I can think of is uh, Nike and Mike Parker stepping down for to make way for John uh, for John Donahoe, I believe his last name, and mm-hmm. he he has an extensive background in technology. Um, he, he comes okay. from uh, PayPal and all sorts of other Silicon Valley things. Um, what I'm trying to say is I think there's a trend right now um, to have tech companies especially um, have their leadership be from a technical background. Um, so I, I have faith that at least for now, like where we are in in as a field, as a profession, and as an industry, um, that the executive teams for all these companies would, you know, get behind this, um, something open source like that, you know? Definitely, definitely. So, um, Chenin, it sounds like 
we've we've kind of gotten near an answer to our question, yeah. and and we're running to the end of our time on the show here today. So I kind of just want to summarize and and wrap up what we just discussed. Sure. It it sounds like there's no formal code of ethics, right, for software engineers. Um, but it sounds like there's maybe some unspoken rules among engineers, maybe those who work on open source, maybe those who don't. Um, and it, it seems like we're kind of trending in a forward direction with um, technologists kind of leading these companies in the future. Um, so it, it sounds like we're on the right path towards the code yeah, of ethics. I would say so. But it's, we're just, we're not quite there. We're still at a kind of a young stage in this uh, career path or in this uh, occupation, right? right? Yeah, I, 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 I would ahead. agree. I think like, you know, it's, we're so ingrained in that kind of collaboration culture. So I, I have so much faith in that. Um, whether or not, you know, something will happen or, or something like that would manifest out of that. I'm not entirely sure. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, the best thing we can do is just keep the faith, knock on wood, cross our fingers, you know? Yeah. So, uh, Chen and I want to say thank you for coming on the show today. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I did. Yeah. Listeners. Awesome. Thank you. And I hope listeners, you enjoyed listening to today's show. Uh, before we leave, Chenin, do you have any final shout-outs you'd like to give? Oh, final shout-outs? And I'll say it to my mom. <laughs> Hi, mom. <laughs> they're, All right. they're over in China. They're getting over their uh, quarantine, and I'm, I'm sure they're worried. Awesome. Well, shout-out <laughs> to your parents. Shout-out to my parents as well. My mother's birthday is coming up here soon. Uh, or when this podcast comes out, she might have already had it. So... Uh, listeners, I hope you enjoyed today's show. This was the most refreshing new podcast on the web. Every episode, we bring on one new guest, we share one drink together, and we ask one fascinating question. We'll catch you next time. Stay sipping, Seattle.